Is this working now? Oh, for the moment it is. All right. Um, God, John used many such warnings as he announced the good news to the people. John also publicly criticized Herod, Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, for marrying Herodus, his brother's wife, and for many other wrongs he had done. All right, so uh, like Rhonda talked about, we are, uh, that wasn't the right scripture, was it? What was it supposed to be? Oh, well. It was scripture, so it was God-breathed, and uh, it matters. So uh, there we go. We're going we're gonna to figure out how that ties in. Alan's going to do an amazing job. Volume. I guess I could sing karaoke. To daddy spending family time, the world says. Nope. We need some volume. It's a video. Sorry. It's a mama singing songs about the Lord It's a daddy spending family time The world says he cannot afford These simple moments change the world It's a pastor at a tiny little church Forty years of loving on the broken and the hurt These simple moments change the world Don't buy the love, you've got to do it all Just let Jesus use you where you are One day at a time Live well Loving God and others as yourself Find little ways where only you can help With His great love A tiny rock can make a giant fall Dream small special needs These simple moments change the world Of course there's nothing wrong with bigger dreams Just don't miss the minutes on your way to bigger things, no Cause these simple moments change the world So dream small Don't buy the lie You've gotta do it So dream small Don't buy the lie You've 
morning. So good to be here. I was just telling uh, Dean and a couple of the others just how neat it's been to be back in this area. My dad was in Burlington while I was growing up, so I went to Hidden Haven, and then my first ministry was in Parsons, and so it was cool to get back in the area, see where all the people are, and see their kids and grandkids. It's, it's been a minute, but uh, thank you for having us, and uh, I know that you're in the middle of transition and uh, so are we (laughs) so let me just encourage you with this message that God uses small things to make a big impact do you believe that well uh, just to look at these uh, small things here on the screen that can really make a big impact. They start out being something like maybe even that you can't even see with the, the human eye, just a naked eye uh, without microscope. But other things can become something tragic and others wonderful. In the middle there, some wedding rings. My parents have been married over 50 years. Any other 50-year married people here at the church? Congratulations. Uh, that's an inspiration to me. I want to be that couple someday. You can go to the next slide. My parents, they're in the middle, Grady and Donna. They're now in Carthage. And those are my family, my three children uh, in the corner there. And so I know that God can use anything to accomplish His will. And He uses small things to make a huge impact. So what I'd like to do today, if it's okay with you, is just tell some stories. I love to tell stories. And the stories I want to tell are about how God does exactly that. How he takes those small things and makes a huge impact in our lives. So once upon a time, because that's how good stories start. Once upon a time, there was a young boy who came from a poor family. They had a small piece of land where they would grow vegetables to sell. And they had one donkey. And its job was to plow the ground and also to carry the produce into town to sell. And this boy was the one whose job it was to take care of this donkey. And so he really grew close to this donkey and he was just really close. He would tell this donkey all of his little secrets and all the things. And, and he knew that the donkey would never, you know, never tell. But the donkey liked to talk. He was always talking, and so the boy named it Pugston Ramath, Jabberjaw, and the hee-haw, hee-haw, and he would just take care of this donkey, and the donkey loved the boy, and they did everything together. Well, the years went by, and the donkey was getting old, and they knew the donkey didn't have a lot of time left, and sure enough, one day, as they were coming back from the village, the donkey collapsed. And died. Now, this was a poor family, didn't have a lot of resources, and so they just dragged his body off and and left him. And this donkey corpse, you would think, is just an insignificant death, an insignificant donkey. And yet, after all the scavengers had cleaned off the bones and the sun had bleached those bones, there was a day when the enemies of God's people thought that they had a victory 
over the hero, the judge, Samson. But he reached down that day and he grabbed the jawbone of a donkey. And he killed a thousand Philistines. In Judges 15, Samson said, With the donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. (laughs) With the donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. And he threw away the bone, and it was called Jawbone Hill, Ramoth Lehi. Small things can make a big impact. And God can use anything, even the jawbone of a donkey to accomplish his will. And just imagine a seeming random path that is formed over hundreds of years, a very peaceful valley with a rippling brook and uh, the stones in that stream, of course, smooth over the years of wear, and yet military boots disturbed the peaceful valley one day as the two armies lined up on either side of this valley And this giant Goliath called out challenges to the living God. And God used a very insignificant youngest boy of eight boys, a shepherd. No one thought anything of him. He was too small. He was too young. He was insignificant. And yet he reached down and grabbed an insignificant rock from that insignificant stream that God had prepared for hundreds of years for this moment. And that rock sailed into the forehead of the enemy of God's people. And that day, young David showed the adults how to have faith and victory in the Lord. And that's why I love youth ministry, (laughs) because God often used those who are overlooked and who we think are insignificant, and they're just too young, and they're too small to make a difference or to make an impact, and God says, time out. That's exactly who I want to use. And I want you guys, I can see some of the kids that were at camp, and I can see that you love your youth, and you have invested in those children, and you even have a special children's church, I guess, right now, right? That is part of what God is going to use because even though it seems like something small, God makes him, makes his glory come through even the small people among us, the children. Or perhaps imagine an old copper penny. It's passed through the hands of maybe a well-to-do rich person, maybe gathered lint in the pocket of a blue-collar worker, And then maybe a sticky coat of candy and dirt in the hands of a child. And then it's left and it's lost in some dark corner where an old widow woman comes across it on her way to worship. And you would think that's just an insignificant widow, an insignificant coin. But when she drops that coin into the offering plate as an act of faith and worship, a sacrifice to God, the Son of God sits up and takes notice. And he's like, hey, 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 everybody, everybody, look, look, look. That woman right there, she just put more in the offering than all the rest of us combined because out of her poverty, she gave everything she had. Whereas the rest of us have given out of our abundance, out of our wealth. 
And this story was recorded and kept for thousands of years for us to inspire us. Did she know that was going to happen? No. Did she plan for that? Did But God did. And Jesus took notice. And he makes even those small sacrificial gifts turn into something that inspires others and that can change a life. In fact, Jesus used the illustration of the mustard seed as an illustration of how one small act of faith on our part can grow into something much bigger and that the smallest of seeds can grow into such a large plant, a tree, that would actually change the ecosystem and provide shelter for many birds and animals. In the same way, one small act of faith on our part can bring change and impact people forever. The salvation of many souls. In fact, there's a true story about a group of men who made it their life's work to reach the Alca Indians of Ecuador, South America for Christ. Now, they were called Alcas because it means savage. And that's what they were. And that's what all the neighboring people called them. They called themselves the Wodani people. Just normal people. It's the Wodani. But everyone else called them savages. Nate Saint, one of the missionaries, was a pilot. And he flew his plane over this village on many occasions. And he developed this system where he would lower a rope from the plane and fly in tight circles with a bucket attached at the end where he could deliver packages to show that they came in peace, that they were benevolent, that they wanted to be friends. And they thought things were going really well because often they would return gifts in the bucket back to them, carvings and and skins and such. And so they finally decided this was going to be the day. They, They had even learned some of the language from some local women and they landed on the bank of the Kure River. Little did they know that the Wodani believed everyone else in the world were cannibals and that the missionaries were just trying to trick them. And so as they landed and got out of the plane that day, they were ambushed and killed by all the men of the village with spears as they stabbed them to death there on the bank of the Kure River. Now this rocked the Western world This tragic news left immediate widows and fatherless children and everyone would have expected them to just go home. But Nate Saint's wife and his sister especially continued the work. They stayed and they continued to reach out and it was their efforts and the sacrifice of those men that finally convinced these men they weren't trying to trick them. They actually were legitimately trying to befriend them and to love them. And it was because of that sacrifice and because of their continued effort that that village actually all became followers of Jesus Christ. But the story's not over. Nate Saint's son, Steve, grew up around that area as his mom continued the efforts And when he was 14, he was baptized in the Kure River by the same men who murdered his father. Wow. Can you imagine? That's the transformation and the ability of God to take something small like the end of a spear, the name of the movie about that story, to win the entire people 
for Christ. It's amazing that God can even use tragedy to accomplish His will. God uses those small things for His will, for His glory, and they have a huge impact. God, no joke, even used a piece of shrapnel. My grandfather was wounded in World War I by a bomb, and he had to end up in Paris at a medical center as they treated and tried to get the shrapnel out of his body. My grandmother was volunteering in a uh, capacity there in Paris, and though she couldn't speak English, and he couldn't speak French, there was a love connection. <laughs> that nonverbal eye contact, and he was handsome, and she was pretty, and there was just something that, that happened that while she was helping care for him in that medical center. Well, when he got recovered, he went back into the war, and then the war was over. He came back to Paris, and he walked the streets of Paris looking, hoping to see that beautiful girl again. Well, little did he know that she was in the balcony of her apartment looking down over the streets, watching all the American soldiers, hoping to see him Well, as God would have it, she was looking down, and he looked up, and their eyes met, and the rest is history. I'm here. (laughs) Because Grandma and Grandpa met, he brought her from Paris, where she was a model, to the sticks of Oklahoma, where she became a ranch hand, and the mother of 11 children. Now, long story short, uh, she was... uh, a a French Catholic, and vowed to have all of her sons become priests. Well, there was no church anywhere in the area at the time. And so she, uh, when she heard that there was this preacher coming and doing a revival service at the schoolhouse, happened to be Harold Dunsom from Ozark Bible College. And she said, we're going to go to church. It was the first thing she had ever heard uh, while she was in the area. So she gathered up all the kids, went to church. At this revival service, it was the very first time she had ever heard about baptism. She'd never heard of it. She's like, show that to me in my French Bible. And they showed her the verses. And she's like, well, if God says it, I want to do it. So they went down to the Black Fork River, and she was baptized there. And uh, a longer story short, um, some of her kids were also saved. Cecil was one of them. And he went to Ozark, became a preacher, and he came back to Neshoba, preached more revivals, and my dad was saved because of Cecil's preaching. And then my dad became a minister as well. And of the boys, there was nine boys and two girls. There were five boys that became preachers, and the two daughters married preachers. So she fulfilled her vow, I guess, to raise her boys to love the Lord and to be priests, uh, preachers in the church. And Cecil went on to start what was called Revival Fires Ministry. And he got to travel across the nation with Lowell Mason and the Good Twins and all those people back in the day. And hundreds and thousands of people became uh, Christians and were baptized. He even got to be there in Russia when the curtain fell. He was taking Bibles to China as soon as it had an opening. And just this year, he took hundreds and thousands of Bibles to Cuba 
because the churches are just hungry there right now for more and more of God's word and more of the house churches are springing up everywhere. And so from all these people that know Christ, it started with a piece of shrapnel. God used something that men intended for evil and he turned it into good. And isn't he good at that? He's, that's his specialty. He, he took a cross and it became a symbol of salvation from death to life. God is so good at taking the small things and making a huge impact and he can use anything to accomplish his will. My daughter got to go to the Middle East last summer on an internship and she tells a story about a little boy that she met He was a Syrian refugee living in Lebanon, and his family was Muslim. Now, the little boy got invited to go to a school nearby to learn English and math and Arabic, and the teachers were Christian, and so they didn't didn't push Christianity or any religion during the school year, but at Christmas time, they invited all of the families of those kids to come to a special Christmas program where they would tell the real story of Jesus and the Messiah and how God's plan uh, was to you know, bring Jesus into the world and all the miraculous things that happened that surrounded those, the, those times. And this little boy decided he wanted to follow Jesus. And he, was, he became a Christian during that next semester and his parents were not happy. <laughs> they were Muslim. And the only reason they let him continue to go to the school is that he was getting good grades. So there's that. Over the next couple of years, he actually won his younger brother and sister to Christ as well. Annette was there last summer when mom and dad were immersed into Christ. And I'm just just get goose pimples thinking about what God is doing even through a young boy and math. Right? Do you believe God uses math for his glory? Oh, that's stretching it. But yes, he did. He did. He used math and English and this little boy. And now there's a family who's totally following Christ in the middle of a Muslim Syrian refugee community in Lebanon. And we should probably pray right now because who knows what they've experienced over this last year in persecution but also who knows how many more are now Christians because of what God did through math and that little boy let's pray God I just I don't know their names but I know that uh, Annette can visualize his face and his little ornery self in class and uh and the family that were saved and and have been following you this year, we just ask that you continue that story, God, the story of of lives being transformed and changed by even the small things. God, thank you for that. And just protect them and give them boldness and comfort uh, no matter what they face. In Jesus' name. Last story, and it's our story. There's a week at... uh, a middle school camp in Missouri where I live where uh, a missionary had been invited from Australia. Now, 
didn't think anything of it, but their names were Rob and Lynn Branham, and they had a little girl named Katie back in 2008. I didn't think anything of it. They were nice. It was church camp. I had met lots of missionaries. I love missions. I mean, I grew up, you know, in Burlington, and, and, and I was that kid who would come home and say, Mom, can I empty out the, the piggy bank and give it to the VBS missionary? I was that kid at college at Ozark that would be like, yes, God, I'll go anywhere. I'll, I'll go wherever you want. Uh, but he just kept opening up do- doors to youth ministry. And so for the last 26 years, my mission has been youth ministry. Well, pa- fast forward, 2015, um, we had a missionary that had moved from Taiwan to Australia to help out with this couple, Rob and Lynn, in their outreach and their church plant that they had there. Well, whenever he needed to go on furlough, they needed somebody to kind of just keep the momentum going. And so Jennifer, our friend, our missionary that our church supported, said, hey, why don't you ask the Todds uh, to take over while you do your furlough? And so we did. We, we t- flew 17 hours nonstop from Dallas to Sydney, and we got to experience this upside-down culture of you know Christmas in the summertime and driving on the wrong side of I mean the left side of the road, and we've pet kangaroos and we've eaten kangaroo, and it's just kind of a crazy upside-down experience of culture. We got to see the church there and what uh, they were doing. There's such a diverse culture in that area that even in the small church plant of 30 or 40 people there's a family from the philippines from china from africa and from uh, iraq and that's along with the aussie so it's kind of a melting pot of culture and we just love internationals uh, even where we're at and just different cultures and so it just was really good experience i got to preach which i love to do and i got to work with their youth which i love to do and so we just really had a great time and got to see the church and we got invited into homes just so often we thought Aussies were just the nicest people ever well we went back and the senior minister said why don't you put together a series of sermons on missions so I was like okay I'll do that and so I came at it from the angle of how to be a good supporting church to your missionaries, how to encourage them, how to just kind of network with them and connect with them better. Because a lot of churches have missionaries, but they never really talk to them and they get kind of lonely on the field. And so I wanted our church to do a better job at that. And so I wrote all my series out, gave it to him, and he decided to preach the first week. And again, I love missions, and it was not like it was a sermon that I hadn't heard before. He was just talking about God as a global God. But at the end of that service, I sat here in the front row where I always sit at our church, and I bawled. And I didn't understand why. It was just broken in my heart. And, and Marilyn, I looked over, and she's crying. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what's happening here, God? And then right after that, to top it off, One of our elders, who doesn't normally do stuff like this, just walks up on the stage, grabs the mic and says, God's telling me that somebody needs to go on the mission field. So we're like, would you sit down? (laughs) 
we don't want to be missionaries. Uh, we, we're happy here. And we are. We love our church. We love what was happening there. And, uh, <clears throat> but we said, we need to start praying. And so we started praying, just thinking about it. And then Rob invited to have me come back and preach for camp. So we went to camp the second time, and we thought, okay, we're really going to say, God, is this what you want? And start testing and start praying and start seeing what it would look like. And I tell you, we got in a room in the living room, and we sat in a circle, and we just thought, if this is going to be the team, this is what it would look like. And I kid you not, every one of us had a different skill set and a different strength and that we would bring to the team. It was like God put it together. No, it wasn't like God. God put it together. And we just it was confirmed and affirmed. And, and Marilyn said she was just really nervous because as it came around the circle, everybody's like, yeah, I'm good at teaching or I'm good at organizing or I'm good with uh, you know this and that technology. And she's just not good at technology. <laughs> and so she's like, oh, Lord, just help them to, to have me be with people because uh, that's what I do is just people. Well, it got to her, and the missionary wife said, Marilyn, I don't know what you have, but you have it. You've been able to accomplish in just a few weeks what we haven't been able to accomplish in years. You see, that second time that we got to visit, again, people kept inviting us over to their house, and they were like, they don't do that. The Aussies do not do that. And we're not sure what it is about you guys, but please seriously consider coming because you have something that we just we don't have and so this this whole team thing come came together in such a beautiful way that we were like oh okay we're we're really going to seriously consider it we went back home we uh ended up transitioning into a team model uh leadership where i'm a uh you know, preaching more and leading more in our staff and also doing youth. It was like the dream job position. And we got a new preaching minister and everything was going great and everything's growing. And God said, hey, I still want you in Australia. <sighs> really, God? I mean, things are going really good here. I even asked my mom, I was like, so what do you think? And she's like, well, your dad says if things are going well, you should stay. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <sighs> but God kept, 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 and then we said finally, yes. Okay, God, we'll go. It's hard, though, because we have kids, and one of them is married for a year, just over a year now, and we know grandkids are inevitable. It's, it's going to happen. And it's really tugging uh, to know we're going to be far, far away when grandkids come. And our daughter's getting married in two weeks from yesterday. And so we know that that journey is one that we won't be here for. And my youngest just graduated high school. And he's struggling because he's only known one place. We were in Parsons five years, but we've been in Moberly 21. And it's... It, that's his home. That's where all of his friends are. That's where his bedroom is. And so he's like, Dad, my, my brother and sister got to come home for Christmas when they were in college. But I'm going to become homeless for the holidays. And I, we had to pray and say, God, will you take care of our kids? 
And God, will you take care of our aging parents? And God, you know we've been good stewards. The house is paid for. Cars are paid for. There's nothing keeping us here. Are you sure you want us to go? (laughs) Yeah, he still wants us to go. And even though it's going to take a long time, it seems like, to raise support, um, this summer has been good to kind of get all our uh, one-time startup uh, gifts, like getting a car when we get there or buying a new furniture, that type of thing. Uh, the monthly support is kind of slow. But we have such a good God who is so faithful. And I uh, just want to encourage you that uh, when you start thinking about what God is doing through the small things in your life, Ephesians 20, chapter 3, verse 20 comes to mind. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. He starts with something small like meeting some missionary at middle school week of camp that we had no idea that we would later end up going to be their team member and working with them. And this fall, after we get our daughter married and our son enrolled in Ozark, when the nest is empty, then we're going to head out. As As soon as we are fully funded, we will head out. And we know... As God's word says, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And Jesus himself said that what is impossible with man is possible with God. And just to make sure we don't take that verse out of context, when it says nothing is impossible, he's talking about who can be saved. Because it doesn't make sense for us to go to a far away, hard to reach, very expensive culture like Australia. It doesn't make sense to try to reach some country that started out as a British penal colony, for goodness sakes. Except that God loves them and created them and he wants them to be saved too. And what about us? What about you? What's your story? What small thing did God use to bring you where you're at right now? Is there a person, a conversation, maybe an illness even or a tragedy that has, God has worked through in such a way that you are here this morning? And would it not be amazing for us to continue to be faithful in those small things that God uses like kindness and generosity and forgiveness. Because whether you're going around the world to Australia or whether you're crossing the street to show love and kindness and forgiveness to our neighbors, that's still his mission. You know, like in class, we talked about uh, that we are his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, right? Well, we're in the same boat. Whenever Jesus says to go, it's not 
we can't answer no. It's just when and how. And if He calls far away, then we have to say yes and trust Him to go far away. But what about if it's across the house, across the room, to forgive your husband or your wife or your brother or your sister of something that they've done that's hurt you? Man, that faithfulness can also change the world. How many fights and grudges do we hold sometimes that hinder the work of the Holy Spirit even in our own families, in our own churches, in our own communities that we need to let go of and say, God, I want to be faithful in your grace, in your love, in your kindness, in serving others, in looking how we can meet the needs of this community, in this county, in a way that God and His glory will be seen. Are you with me? We have this thing called the ripple effect, and I want you to just imagine those moments and those words of kindness and grace and forgiveness making waves. And God uses that ripple effect to change not only you in that moment, but everyone you come in contact with. And it's amazing what God does. And so I just want to challenge you to remember how you can tell your story in such a way and live your story in such a way that God takes your faithfulness in some of those small things that we think are insignificant, that we think are just not even worth noting, and we are faithful in our love, in our giving, in our kindness, in our service. And can I pray for you guys today that maybe whether it's in Australia or whether it's here in Galesburg, God's kingdom will continue to grow as we are faithful in the little things. And then he makes them into big things. Right? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for loving us. That even though, even in scripture, it echoes this thought of... I mean, how true is that song, right? Um, you know, Alan's message about small things making a big impact. And, and I, I swear to you, I, I had no idea that he was going to preach on that last week because uh, it was small things that we talked about last week making big impacts as well. And Casey actually specifically was like, did you look at his <laughs> slides? I was like, I'm thinking, like, I messed up. Like, I did something wrong. Like, I don't know. Is there, is there something bad? But it truly is the small things that make big impacts. You know, it's the daily things, like we talked about two weeks ago. It's the daily things, um, choosing to um, make an impact in the world. It's, it's the small things that, that ripple into big things. And, and you might have no idea what you are doing when you do it. You know, when you go and talk to somebody or when you go to encourage somebody or, or when you, um, something happens to you, a bad thing happens to you and, and how you have faith in those in those different times, and the same thing is true for the cross. You know, as we come to this communion time, you know, Alan made the mention of, of that cross being something that we wouldn't even you know thought of. You know, in their time, the cross was a was just simply a way to to kill people, and it was a gruesome way. And the Romans had figured out how to do it in the best way possible, meaning the worst way possible, meaning causing the most pain and con- you know and hurt and and just terrible. And they had figured out how to do it the best of anybody. And Jesus was the one, just like so many, 
who were viewed as criminals, that was put on that cross. And his crime was simply just following what, what God had put him here on this earth to do. And his crime was, was our sin. And his crime was what we've done to put him there. And as, as we reflect on this time of communion and, and this time of the cross, and more importantly, the time of the resurrection, when Christ overcame death, let us remember what we have done and where we are in this ripple effect. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for using small things to do big things in this world. And, and through these small things, these seemingly insignificant things, we can just simply say it had nothing to do with us. When it's so small that we count it off, you go and you take it and you make it something so much bigger. And I pray that we seek those opportunities this week to, to find the small things to make a, a big impact. And I pray as we are taking communion today, the, the bread and the juice that, that symbolizes your body and your blood, that we are able to see these small emblems and how big of an impact they make. Father, I love you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. share a little something with you. When we were in Australia, I noticed that there weren't a lot of middle-aged to older women. We're just 48, so we're still, we're still young. But we, they were, hadn't been uh, Christians for a long time. So over there, we, we noticed that there were whole families. So you had the kids, you had the parents, and you had the grandparents all hearing about Jesus at the same time. And I know at my church, if I needed advice, wisdom, something, I have a lot of older women in my church I could ask. And my heart broke for them because they don't have that. And I thought, oh, God, there's only one of me. How can I connect women in America with Australian women? And we're at one church, and one of the ladies from a women's ministry said, Marilyn, let me tell you a story. She said they had a ladies' event, and a 75-year-old woman attended. And at the end of it, they paired her up with a young single mom. And they asked of that 75-year-old woman, said, can you pray? Just call this young single mom once a week and ask, how can I pray for you? And that's all. You don't have to meet. Just make that phone call. This lady lived to be 90 years old, so for 15 years, this older woman called that young single mom and said, how can I pray for you? And that single mom kept a journal of how God answered these prayers so specifically because of this older woman's prayers for her. And I thought, 
I can do that. We have social media. We have email. And so I have something I'm calling Adopt an Aussie. It would be a year before I could even would even contact you. But I'm just trying to get some women here stateside who feel and have a heart for it. And all you have to do is, whether it be Facebook Messenger or email, all you have to do is say, how can I pray for you? And that's it. And let's see what God does. So if that is something that interests you, I have this handy-dandy clipboard I'm going to have out there. Just put your information. So if it's Facebook that you want to do that to Messenger, I'd put your Facebook name if it's a little different than what it might be. So again, just pray about it and see if that's something you want to do because really God can change the world through prayer. And we are here, and we've, got, we've had Christ for a while. So if we could share that with them, that would be fabulous. Awesome. All right, so just for a few announcements before we have our uh, closing song, just a reminder, high school students, if you are signed up for camp, that's today. So uh, if you are needing a ride, please get with me or with Casey, and we can um, get you set up for that. Also a reminder, July 